The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you, join us tomorrow at the warehouse, 2 to 6, 1825 South 300 West in Salt Lake. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. little Wednesday afternoon big show at the warehouse. Make sure and join us. We've got uh, what's going on right now where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Bowler joins us at 4. Can we do that thing at uh, 3.30? Can we do drop of the day at 3.30? Austin, what do you think? I'm fine with it, yeah. That'd be All good. All right. We usually do drop of the day at 530. Uh, Austin and I found a really good one today. And uh, even though we don't have a 530 segment, Gordo, we thought we'd do it at 330. All right with you? And I would like, I would like. yeah, that sounds terrific. I would like to apologize to all those who are clamoring for more non-sports report. It looks like uh, probably won't be able to do that to, for you today. <laughs> Not to you. For you. <laughs> True. Yeah. So True. I just, you know, True. so many people clamor for it I'm sure. and want it and look forward to it. I'm sorry. R.I.P. to Gordon's email today, inbox. Today you'll have to settle for jazz pregame. All right, let's start with DJ and PK uh, talking about Taysom Hill and the Saints. DJ doesn't believe Taysom Hill will replace Drew Brees as the Saints starting quarterback. And they'll make a trade or they'll go with Jameis Winston. So, like, what do you think? Did I read that right? <laughs> So, like, when you write you these, do you think, let's see how awkward I can make DJ sound well, when no. he reads these? He actually nailed it with like the whole Utah vernacular in that one right there. So, like, like what do you think? What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> Joshua says if they don't get a guy like Russell Wilson, I think he starts. I think he deserves it. However, I don't think it'd be more than a season. Love Hill, one of the funnest to watch <laughs> plays so many positions, but I feel like he plays too cautious. He needs to throw to guys before they're open. It's not arm strength. It'll come down to his timing and decision-making. I think he deserves it, though. Oh, jeez. He sucks, but he deserves it? Right. He's my guy. <laughs> I want him to have a shot, but I'm really worried he's not going to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it doesn't on the surface, but come on. Come on. People don't think... He can do it, but he's a guy who's going to want to have a chance, and hopefully I'll be wrong about it. But you don't deserve it then. You have to earn it. You don't deserve it. And deserve. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers deserves to start. He's earned it. Oh, of course. Yeah, but you don't, you don't deserve anything. You've earned it. It doesn't. You, you are going along the lines of entitlement. Entitlement? No. Not, not. For somebody who didn't get anything – and didn't, was not entitled to anything. You're, you're not going to get me to, to, to talk about <laughs> entitlement. My father didn't own anything, man. <laughs> and what he did is not anything I wanted to do because I did it. <laughs> uh, you know, he went and cleaned toilets in the day and came home and then went and cleaned office buildings at night. And so uh, I, don't, I don't think you – do you really deserve anything when it comes to this level? Or do you earn it? Well, Does Aaron Rodgers deserve it, or did he earn it? Well, he deserves it because he earned it, I think most people would say. 
Yeah, but see, if he goes out there and sucks in the next two next year or so, what does he deserve? Well, I guess we'll have to see how bad he sucks and for well, how long he, he sucks will, before he gets there, right? I know. It's a hypothetical most of us aren't considering. I, I think at this level, you're competing all the time. That's true. Once you start getting into deserved stuff, then you have what you have with the Lakers when Kobe Bryant was playing out the string. Your team sucks. Well, he deserved it. You know. He Okay, so then the Lakers have to endure three years of the lottery. Well, who wants that? Right. That's what you're trying to avoid. Which because and so that's yeah. why you don't deserve anything. You earn it. Taysom Hill doesn't deserve. He deserves an opportunity to compete. See that I think the thing with the Kobe example is that so once you kind of hit the off switch on competitive on purpose for three years because he deserves it. Now you got to jump start and try to go from zero to sixty, and that's hard to do even when you're the Lakers, which is why their lottery streak stretched beyond three years, and it's four, and it's five, and it's. It's going to keep going until we get LeBron, and they did, and then that changed things. And it, you have the same thing with Dallas. Yavitsky, yep. he deser- yep. you don't deserve it. Why, why cut that off, man? Was it Branch Rickey or somebody with the Dodgers way back when? Trade him a year early, cut him a year early, then a year late? Yep. Somebody said it. I don't know. It, it, is, the it is the Dodger organization, and I don't know who it was in the Dodger organization, yeah. but it was definitely better to move on a year too early than a year yeah. too late. Yeah, this is a cold-hearted business. Right. So, I think the people of New Orleans, yeah, Taysom Hill is a nice story and all, but if he's not good enough to be the starting quarterback, they don't want him to be the starting quarterback. And that's for Sean Payton and his guys to decide. I don't think you deserve anything. You earn everything that you get. Now you're talking like Bill Belichick. Who's the least sentimental coach you've seen? And to bring it back to uh, Taysom Hill, Christopher says he deserves a chance, but I wouldn't put all my eggs yeah. in that basket. I wish him nothing but success. And if you're, the, don't you think that of all the comments, I think that's the comment that comes close to closest to what the Saints coaching staff thinks. All right, there you go, David and Pat <clears throat> talking about Taysom Hill. Um, they, they kind of got Sorry, into a yeah. weird deserve conversation, yeah. but what, what I'm was it untang- going? I'm untangling the verbal knot I've been tied in yeah. by that earn and deserve conversation. Uh, I <laughs> does hey, let me let me frame it this way because I, I I'm with you. I got a little backwards and all of that. I get what they were saying, but do they remain a Super Bowl contender with Taysom Hill as their quarterback? The ceiling is the roof. I mean, that's what I'd be asking myself if I were Sean Payton, right? My automatic answer to that would be no. I don't think so either. So if that's the case, then you've got to look for the next quarterback that will make you a contender. And maybe that's a draft. Maybe that's a trade. Maybe that's a sign. You know, there's different ways to go about it. Maybe you view Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston as, you know, a temporary solution to the problem while you untangle your salary cap issue. I don't know. But if they're making plans for the future – I'm not sure that Taysom Hill is the guy. I'm not sure that they wouldn't be better spent drafting somebody else and developing them. I I believe that they would be best served continuing to use Taysom Hill the way they do. I agree with that. We talked about that yesterday. I think you're totally yeah. right. I think it makes him unique. On the other hand, I also understand, and, and we did have that discussion, and we thought that Taysom Hill had uh, found himself a lofty perch by by earning or deserving or earning, whatever, that kind of position to hold on that team. 
but uh, I'm not I'm not sure that it's uh, I get why he wants to be a starter and uh, you know I understand it I just yeah, try it go ahead if you want to try it then go ahead you've got Jameis Winston that uh, you can you have there as well if it's not working out but uh, if you you would think that uh, that the Saints would be able to figure that out and uh, they've watched Taysom Hill enough to know what he can do. See, I don't uh, maybe, think I don't maybe think he they can surprise them still, but I, 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 you would think that Sean Payton would be able to figure that out. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I don't think even Sean Payton necessarily thinks he's. A star. I mean, they signed Jameis again today. Yeah. So, I, well, I don't. One know. year deal, right? It was a one year deal. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you want him to at least compete, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, you and I agree that we don't think Taysom Hill is the long-term answer. That Well, he's 31, but uh, I'm not sure that he is an effective uh, week-by-week starter in the NFL. But we could be wrong. I mean, maybe maybe Taysom could do it. But that's Sean's uh, decision to make. Well, if we're looking just at Sean Payton's offense, he'd have to change a bunch. I mean, it can't be the Drew Brees offense because that wouldn't be doing Taysom any favors either because that doesn't exactly highlight what he does best, you know? Well, he did start three or four games last year. So. Right, and he went 3-1, and one and his his stats were okay. But, uh, you know, that wasn't an offense designed for him. So maybe we should give him more credit for fitting in. But, I mean, you'd want to keep – I mean, Taysom – again, Taysom's athleticism if, is what makes him unique. I mean, he's never yeah. going to be John Elway. He's just not – Maybe bad example. Who's another? Who's a quarterback with more touch? But anyway, well, Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not going to be Drew Brees. So you you wouldn't build the same offense around Taysom Hill that you would Drew Brees, right? And I don't know if if that's exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I understand why BYU fans certainly want to see Taysom get that shot, uh, but. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I don't think I don't think he's the guy. Uh, You don't think he's the guy. But if he is the guy then yeah, like uh, PK was saying, go out and earn it. Well, here's the thing, too. They've got Michael Thomas. I mean, and Alvin Kamara to a lesser extent. But Michael Thomas is one of the best receivers in the game, if not the best receiver in the game. So do you need to find a quarterback that's going to highlight his skill? Well, you got to have a quarterback. You know, and by quarterback, I mean a top quarterback in order to uh, to achieve. The Saints have been playing good football for a while now, and it's, uh, you know, when, when <laughs> once you set that standard, it's hard to ratchet back from it. So we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, didn't Russell Wilson say that the Saints were one of the places he wouldn't mind going? Or whatever. He, he said the Bears, too. So who yeah. knows what Russell Wilson is looking for? Okay, all right. You'd have to be a lunatic to want to go to the Bears. Without the, did, did the resources you... they'd have to trade to get you? Andy Dalton signed there today. Oh, good. That's great. <laughs> signed with maker. the Bears? Playmakers yeah. on three. Huh? Uh, did, you hear about, did you hear about that guy who was attacked by a hammer or something? Or he, he, Somehow he suffered some assault, and he was knocked out for a while, and the first thing he said when he came around is, did the Bears sign Russell Wilson? How was he attacked by a hammer? By someone wielding a hammer. Oh, okay. Got Jerry Palm. The hammer itself did not jump off the table and hit him. (laughs) That's what you said. I was very intrigued, and now I'm not. 
Jerry Palm, the world famous bracketologist, was on with Hanson. Was he in the He was on with Hanson Scotty, not hammer wielding Jerry Palm, <laughs> he, I don't did think. He, did he earn that opportunity or did he deserve <laughs> it? I have no idea. Uh, but he jumped on to talk about Utah State, BYU, and of course the tourney. Let's talk about that 5 11 matchup. They end up drawing Texas Tech. What do you know about Texas Tech and what should Utah State fans expect in that matchup? Uh, they should probably expect uh, throttling defense because it's pretty, well, pretty much what they're known for. Uh, Chris Beard's teams have always been outstanding defensive teams, uh, and they've got uh, an electric score in uh, Max McClung, who averages more than 20 points a game and is one of the top scorers in the Big 12, which had a great year this year as a league. So um, they certainly have the weapons, but mostly they're going to try and frustrate your offense. In, in some ways, it would be like playing San Diego State. <laughs> it's, uh, um, they, uh, they may not be as balanced scoring at San Diego State, but it'll be a lot like playing them. So the fact that you uh, just played San Diego State is uh, probably a pretty good primer for playing Texas Tech. When you fill out your your bracket, you know, when you do the bracketology and you try to predict what the tournament's going to look like, is it based on are you trying to climb into the mind of a committee member and what they're going to do, or is it what you feel like they should do? Oh, no. What I think they should do doesn't mean anything. Um, I'm trying to predict what I think they will do, but I'm not crawling into the mind of one committee member. I'm crawling into yeah. the mind of ten. You know, it's, And there's a lot of – really, it's sort of – in some ways, it's behavior analysis. I look at what the committee has rewarded uh, in the past, and ideally the recent past, because the committee turns over every five years. Um, and, you know, biases in, within the committee, then things change over time. But um, I'm just – I'm trying to predict what they will do uh, with the data they have, um, and keeping in mind, of course, that it's a subjective process, but it's largely based on what they've rewarded in the past. Okay, with that thought in mind, we're watching another in-state team in BYU take on two of the play-ins in Michigan State and UCLA. Is, did <clears throat> did legacy and coaching play into the decision for Michigan State and UCLA, or do you think they were the deserving two? to have the chance of the oh, first Oh, yeah. Four. No, none of legacy and coaching and none of that. That's all crap. That doesn't mean anything. Um, that's uh, uh, that's completely useless. And if that were true, if that really did matter, do you think Drake gets in ahead of Louisville? No way, <laughs> right? It's fair. Um, so that's uh, – no, in fact, Michigan State probably had a case to be a little bit higher and not in a play-in game. UCLA uh, is right about where they should be. They had some injury problems late – uh, well, in the middle of the season, they lost Smith, and then um, they had, uh, I think, another injury late in the season. Anyway, they they kind of limped home, uh, both you know, figuratively and literally. Uh, so they ended up in a play-in game. Uh, Michigan State, you know, had uh, three great wins that put, took them from not even under consideration to into the bracket, and they were able to hang on to a spot. Uh, Michigan State is dangerous if they get out of that game. Um, they they are uh, a nightmare to play against because they're so solid defensively and they've got some pretty good size. Uh, a couple of guys who can score. That'd be interesting if they played BYU because BYU, of course, has a player that's had more than a few games against Michigan State in his career at that harms. Um, so it's uh, uh, but Michigan State, yeah, they're tough. Um, that if, if that's BYU's opponent, that's not an enviable uh, opponent to have. Well, and, and again, as you mentioned, I, I haven't watched a lot of Michigan State this year, but it's Tom Izzo and it's March, and I don't want any part of that. Well, um, and the, and, and the so, thing about Michigan State, the, the, the thing, you know, for 
you know, that works for BYU and everybody they've played is that they just have a hard time scoring. So Michigan State's going to grind and try and play a game that's in the 50s because it's hard for them to score much more than that. So I guess uh, based on what you're saying, if I'm BYU, I'm cheering for UCLA. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, if if Michigan State does go up against BYU, would you take Mich- uh, would you take BYU in that game? I actually picked Michigan State in my bracket. Okay. Although certainly BYU is capable. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a really good team. I, I don't mean that as a slight against BYU. It's just that I, I like Michigan State this time of year, and I just think they're very difficult to prepare for. There you go, Jerry Palm from CBSSports.com talking about the Aggies and the Cougars. And uh, Jerry doesn't sound real optimistic about uh, either matchup. No, and I understand where he's coming from. And you brought this up during the show yesterday that Michigan State creates all kinds of problems. And this is something that I heard Tim uh, talk to DJ and PK about uh, regarding the difficulty in preparing for – see, that's the problem with what BYU faces – they don't, they don't know who they're going to play. So they have to prepare for two possibilities. And that's a real disadvantage to a team. Yeah, it's going to... I, I hadn't I, thought about that that much. Had you? Uh-huh, yeah. I actually talked to Tim about that on uh, Sunday when we were sitting here on oh. Selection Sunday. Well, then but, he, he took what you said and... And pass that along to DJ and PK. Well, I would say we we discussed it. It was probably Tim's point. You asked me if I had thought about that before. I said yes when I talked to Tim on Sunday. Yeah, uh, but uh, but that, that's that's a coaching challenge there, you know, to try and. Well, do you think that they are sort of in their mind's eye thinking, okay, Michigan State's going to win, so let's prepare predominantly for them? Uh, no, I would guess they're not doing that. Tim also said this morning on DJ and PK that they're probably splitting the scout, as they say and uh, putting in uh, parts of both teams into practice, and then they'll focus in on one when they know. Mm-hmm. It's about all yeah. you can do, really. Uh, you don't want to over-prepare for one, and then the Bruins go in and get an upset. I mean, that's that's a tough line to walk, right? So, uh, if BYU faces a phys- – well, both Utah State and, and BYU are going to face uh, sort of a rugged team that's going to probably uh, be physical with them and rough them up a little bit. I wonder how they'll hold up against that. It's tough. That's a, you know, we were bringing it up yesterday that if I were BYU, I'd much rather play an overachieving smaller school that played finesse ball as opposed to a team that's bigger, stronger, faster, and just underachieved. Well, the thing that stood out to me, what you said yesterday was their victories over those, those top teams. That, that is, to have that kind of potential, even if it's not always achieved, you know it's there. And if they're good enough to beat teams like who, Illinois, was it? Who else was it that they beat? Michigan. Mi- and the number two seed. Who was the two Ohio seed? State, they... was it? Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're good enough to beat those teams, they're probably good enough to beat BYU. And so if, if you're going to get that, then uh, hold on hold on to your shorts, man. But I don't know. That's always That's always a possibility in the tournament that some team is going to show up and play great. Another thing, another interesting thing that Tim brought up with DJ and PK was when he was coaching at BYU had to play Texas A&M those two years. Uh, I covered those games in the tournament and uh, yeah, they got roughed up and they lost. Bad matchups. And I think both these, I think Texas Tech is probably not the best matchup for Utah State. And uh, it's probably similar about BYU. Although Utah State does have that size with Kata, which uh, which is a good thing. And both schools kind of play a bit of a similar style, so maybe it's yeah. maybe it's a different discussion. But 
Um, I believe that game could be in the 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really do. It uh, could be that defensive-minded. So can Utah State hit their threes? You know, as usual, that'll probably be the equalizer. But you know, well, who told us? Was it uh, who told us yesterday that uh, that Texas Tech uh, that Texas Tech hits their threes, even though they're not offensively oriented, but they're capable of hitting the threes? So that's something the Aggies will have to watch out for. No doubt. And BYU, of course, will have to hit their threes against Michigan State. Michigan State's going to really make it ugly. If, if that's who BYU gets. I think BYU beat UCLA. I'm not so sure about Michigan State. If I'm not mistaken, I think BYU played Michigan State at the arena there. Yeah, I was at that game. Uh, a few years ago. Remember that? Yeah. Only time in my life I've interviewed Tom Izzo. I guess mm-hmm. interview is – I was part of a media group, I guess. Asked a question. No big deal. <laughs> I think I was in that same same room. But uh, I think I think Michigan State barely got by BYU in that game, didn't they? If I'm remembering it right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. We'll, we'll have a drop of the day coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Goes out to Adam, who wanted Hearts on Fire from Rocky IV. <laughs> I used to love Rocky IV. This is enthusiastic. Isn't this, I mean, this just, you hear like 30 seconds of the song and you you know exactly it's either late 80s or early 90s. Like you could almost pinpoint the year that that movie was made. Yeah, yeah, I'd say probably uh, late 70s, early 80s actually is what I would Rocky guess. Rocky IV but... was like 80. Oh, is this Rocky IV? I think that's what he said, right? Yep, yep. Does say Rocky IV there. But yeah. Oh yeah, this is definitely Rocky for ten IV. to twelve years. It all sounded the same. Let's see. Where's Rocky IV? Why don't you tell me what year it was? 1985, Rocky IV. So even sooner than I thought. How about that? All right. Time for drop of the day, also known as sounds of various clips. Usually we do it at 5:30. We're moving it up today because Jazz pregame takes over at 4:30. Um, Gordon, are you a big fan of the Police Academy movie franchise? Oh, I I, uh, I I think there are funny moments. You've never seen one, have you? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've never sat down and watched one start to finish, but I have seen bits and pieces. All right, so I guess I'm going to have to oversimplify this. There's a character in the Police Academy movies, I think he's in all of them, actually, uh, who makes sound effects. The actor's oh, yeah, name yeah. is Michael I'm, Winslow. You may have yeah, also seen I've him seen in Spaceballs, him. where yeah. he's he's also very funny. Uh-huh. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, well, he's still around. He's still performing. And he went on, let me see what country this was in. Uh, what is it? It's like Poland or something. Anyway, I don't know where it was. In, in some European country, but they're speaking English. And uh, it's like a talk show. And Gordon, he, he does a song for the show. Now, let me just explain this so our listeners can. Uh, Michael Winslow himself is doing all of the sounds you're going to hear except for the acoustic guitar. The acoustic guitar is the only thing he's not responsible for in this next clip. So okay. let's uh, let's go ahead and hear it. All right, let me, uh, let me set up the drums here. Yeah, so what, which song is it? Which song is it? Uh, 
Zeppelin and you want one to the original artist key of E? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Like this. this. If you have not seen the video, you got to see it. The the show hosts are just like their jaw drops all the way open. Like wow, incredible! Well, everyone is uh, blessed with a certain talent or set of talents, and uh, that man was blessed with that one. That's pretty remarkable. When you well, that's... I mean, right the sound effects, but right down to that sounded just like Robert Plant. <laughs> I mean, just like him. And that guitar solo part where he just rips into it, I mean, wow, that's amazing. He does the yeah. licks by shaking his head back and forth violently so his cheeks wiggle. Amazing. So he, some of those guitar sounds were from him, right? Well, Not, other than the acoustic, other than that, that was all him. Yeah. Wow. That I should have prepared, and we could have played them both at the, at same, the same time. Uh, so they the exact same key. Uh, yeah. Everything. I was gonna. I was gonna ask for that. I wondered. If Let me uh, give me a second. I'll get. You it. know, because it is, it is quite the comparison. That was in Norway, by the way. He was on TV in Norway. So right. just, uh, I mean, the amount of of skill that that would take. I wonder how long it took him to master that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Austin said, he, didn't you watch a thing about his method or something like that? Yeah, he was on a, a talk show recently, and they asked him about how he hones his craft and how he practices. And it was as simple as when he was a child, he watched a lot of TV and imitated every sound and every actor's voice that he watched <laughs> until he was really, really good at doing car sounds and anything you think of. He can literally do any sound you want to hear. He can do it. That's crazy. With just his vocal cords. Well, and the amount of coordination it would take to do the drums and then the guitar and then the singing and then to, to put it together like that is, is just insane to me. It's just remarkable let's uh let's attempt to play these at the same time all right, all right. just for uh, let's see how this goes wow. amazing pretty amazing <laughs> that's phenomenal that's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah 
Wow. I w- you know what? If if uh, if he had, I don't know if he travels anymore, does stand up comedy or whatever. But I'll tell you this: if Michael Winslow ever comes uh, within, you know, a state's radius of me, I'd go see him. How does he describe what he does for a living? Performs, makes noises. Well, what's his his name in uh, police academy? Is sound effect right? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, uh, but that's he. That's the, he's just the human sound effect. That's what he. Does, wow! It's pretty amazing. I wonder if he makes a good living doing like cartoon sounds and stuff like that, like stuff we'd never know. You know what I mean? Like, did did all the sound effect work on Mulan or something? <laughs> just one guy. <laughs> just one dude back there. Yeah. Would you have to pay him more or less than a whole team of uh, computer artists? Probably less. I'd, well, I'd, I'd pay him less, but then I'd say we're going to film you the whole time you do it and release that, and you get a cut of that. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So you can either sign this one-time payment or a royalties Or we're hooking contract. you up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, as, a, as a Led Zeppelin fan, uh, I was color me impressed for oh, sure. Oh, you, you abandon your rock and roll claim well after you have now are a country person. What? You're now a country guy. No, I'm not. I, mean, I, I, like, I like some country, but I once you, look. Once you grow up in the rock and roll era, baby, it doesn't leave you. That's what I thought. And then I met you and PK, and it's like, wow, well, it's PK's, gone. Well, PK's much more far gone than I am, if that makes sense. Anyway, uh, but I, I do like a few a few bands. I was half preparing for you to pan that because he didn't do enough <laughs> fiddle song. Like a little fiddling with his sound effectness. Fiddling, come on. By the way, the way he got cast... In Police Academy, he opened for Count Basie at a jazz club. No way. Just doing sound effects. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. And someone was there involved in the movies and said, hey, I got a, I got a role for it. We got to get this dude on our on our movie. That's amazing. It's remarkable how many people have been discovered somehow, like in the cliche, somebody saw somebody at a restaurant and they, they cast him in a movie or something. I just, it's, it's amazing to me how some people... Well, speaking you know, of, they don't deserve, they don't earn it. They, 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 they whether they okay, deserve I it. I see that joke. Uh, speaking of uh, Led Zeppelin, you know that they, uh, John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page were putting together Led Zeppelin because they were studio musicians and they were tired of everybody else making all the money. So they were like, hey, we could do this. Let's, let's put together a band or whatever. And so they started interviewing lead singers. And they actually interviewed Stevie Winwood, of all people, which how different would Led wow. Zeppelin have sounded if, <laughs> if they had selected him. But they ended up seeing Robert Plant at a bar, at a bar. And they were like, this dude, we love this dude's sound. And uh, then they, they worked it out with Robert Plant. And that's how they found John Bonham. It's because they said, well, now we've got everything but a drummer. And, and Robert <laughs> Plant was like, well, I know this dude who hits the hell out of the drum. You're going to love him. And thus Led Zeppelin was born. Yeah. So did you see did you see Robert Plant when he came to Salt Lake City? I uh, did not. Uh-uh. It was good. It was it was interesting to see him perform. I watched a, a special on Crosby, Stills, uh, and Nash uh, the other day on one of the channels, and it was they said it was weird. Like uh, David Crosby was like, uh, let's say, let's just get together. You know, Graham Nash was there, and they and they sang a song and. They went back and listened to it, and it was just automatic harmony. I, that stuff to me, I, I love to hear about this. It makes you wonder how many bands never came together that should have, <laughs> that could have, but didn't. 
you know. Or that broke up way too late like the Beatles. <laughs> no, their run was just about right. Should have ended it. In the Beatles are the most overrated band in history. Should have called it in about 61. That we've had a good <laughs> the run. The Beatles were before, worse than before, the Monkees. Before they ever came to America. Yep. Yep. Right the when Beatles are worse than Millie Vanilli. When they're, uh, they should have stuck with the old drummer and just washed out mediocrity. Uh, I think they probably would have been fine without Ringo, but. Oh, Ringo's... on the talent scale of the Beatles, I've told you this. Ringo's two. No. Two? Ringo's the last He's of two. bunch. It goes two. George, then Ringo. The Beatles are worse than Limp Biscuit. I would uh, I would put them uh, McCartney Lennon, uh, then George, then Ringo. Oh, Lennon. George was five times the musician any of those other guys were. Those hacks. <laughs> you mean you? Oh, you mean the two guys who are considered the best songwriting duo of all time? Yeah, those guys. Not by me. Hacks. All right. So says you. Give me Elton Bernie. Way better. <laughs> what do you mean Bernie wrote the songs? Elton just performed them. No, Elton wrote the music. Bernie wrote the lyrics. If you're going to call Lennon and McCartney a soundwriting duo, give yeah, Bernie yeah. and Elton their due. You got me. All right, stay tuned. But they're not at the same level. Sorry. Oh, all you, all you, exactly. You we, finally, we finally agree. Reginald Dwight <laughs> okay. leaves them all in the dust. Okay. Coming up next, right. a marketplace or market update brought to you by TryDayTraining.com. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Kyle Whittingham, kind enough to join us. What's the one thing that you absolutely have to get out of this spring camp? We have got to start to get the quarterback position settled. And I say get started on it because with Cam not involved, you can't have a definitive uh, answer or conclusion. But we've got to get a great evaluation on the guys that are going to be taking reps and make sure we get those guys situated in the depth chart properly and decide who going into fall is going to you know be that third guy because Cam and, and Charlie are obviously battle for that starting job and so we've got to get those guys behind them situated. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey, guys. Jake here for my friends at Zero Res. And you know what? That weather's getting better out there. And guess what? You've been tracking stuff into your house all winter long. Dirt, dust, dander, allergens coming in and uh, being filtered right down into your carpets. Did you know that? Your carpet is the biggest filter in your house. It collects everything, and it gets it gets deep down there into those fibers where your vacuum does not stand a chance. And that's where my friends at Zero Res come in. They are amazing. I've been cleaning with Zero Res for well over a decade. Their customer service is the best. And, of course, they use the powered water technology. It's water that's been electrolyzed, gives it amazing cleaning properties without the nasty side effects from soaps or shampoos, meaning no residue, zero residue. That residue actually attracts dirt back into your carpet. So your carpets will stay cleaner longer and since they don't use as much water as the other guys your carpets are actually going to dry faster and they've got a great deal going on for zone listeners take advantage of it call them 801-288-9376 tell them jake from the zone sent you they're going to hook you up just 33 dollars per room cleaned now minimums do apply but they don't have maximum so you can clean as much as you want call them 801-288-9376 that's 801-288-zero
It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for another market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordo, how uh, did we do today? Well, the S&P, Jake, was off uh, just over six points. How you doing? Okay, I don't want to hear about it. The Dow, which has been climbing and climbing and climbing, was down uh, just over 127 points. Three words, I hate you. And the NASDAQ, which has had its uh, its off days of late, was actually up nearly 12 points. <gasps> Okay, so mixed results today, huh? Yes, exactly. That last one's my bride. Was it really? Yes. <laughs> what was she reacting to? Oh, I brought a surprise home about uh, the. I had a screener of the Forgotten Carols, thanks to the Movie Zone, and and I got that off of our uh, security camera because I thought her reaction was so good. Wow. She okay. was very happy. Yeah, she she was oh. very happy. But is, that's uh, what being married to her is like. Everything is, is that awesome. <laughs> really? Is Whitney, oh, yeah. uh, is she vocal and, and demonstrative that way? She, you you want Whitney, if you ever needed a good audience who's going to support you and cheer for you no matter what happens and they're going to give you enthusiasm, that's my wife. You know, it's interesting you say that because when Jake and I and our, our lovely wives uh, showed up, to watch you in your play that time. And for our listeners who don't know this, Austin is an accomplished act, stage actor. Uh, I saw Whitney in the audience, and I was watching her reactions to your your acting. And and she was, she was a big fan, a big fan. I would hope so. I would hope so. I, hope she I don't know. Like... I know some wives that might boo their husbands. Wait a minute. Wait, so while while Austin was performing, you were watching Whitney because that's weird. <laughs> no, I just didn't on, think of that. Yeah, because that's just weird. Just on occasion, I glanced over, and she was a proud uh, proud uh, partner. That's all. I could see uh, the, the all the audience faces looking forward, but there's Gordon's creek with his little opera at, glasses staring at Whitney the whole time. <laughs> well, it was a relatively small theater. It was easy to see her expressions. Why, why are you going to do that, Jake? Why are you going to creep it up? I didn't do anything. I was in the same I'm, show. I'm, I'm, and I wasn't paying attention to Whitney. I was watching Austin. I didn't think of that. You know, while well, I was, well, watch, well, while I was just, at your play, I was watching why, your wife. No, why would you, you think of that? It's, I just, I thought, oh, Austin's doing a great job. So I look over at, at Whitney to see what she was, how she was reacting to your, to your witty, uh, performance i am she, glad to hear she wasn't like looking at her watch constantly like when does no. this thing end oh, no. no 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 just the opposite so personally i like to afford whitney her privacy she could have reacted <laughs> however she wanted to last time i play a drop of her on the Jeez. show I don't know. what would happen if she was having like kind of a bummer night and didn't you know <laughs> cheer up to your expectation no, you no, would, on, you would totally on. change your Look, opinion of her i i did not say that i was staring at her the whole time I said I glanced over on occasion to check out her reaction to what Austin was doing on the stage. I went to Austin's performance to watch Whitney. Austin, Honestly, no, she'd be more entertaining than I would. I have no idea how you did tonight, Austin. It was probably good. I was dialed in on Whitney. 
Uh, Austin probably gets that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I understand it, but I don't I don't approve of it, but I understand it. Have you, you guys ever had the experience when you're talking to someone and your wife is there, how the person you're talking to is not paying attention to you, they're paying attention to your wife? Don't deny it. I know it happens. Happens too. all the time. But I prefer that way, frankly. I, the less people talk to me, the better. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. No, my friends don't creep on my wife when I'm talking to them. He, creep? I, why why did you mean friends? that way? I just... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, usually I'm having a normal conversation amongst adults. <laughs> you know what that means, Austin? Jake's absolutely clueless of what's really going on. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it means they're paying more attention to Naz than they are to you. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to make it all creepy or anything. That it's is creepy. Uh, Wow, it just thundered over. Wait a minute, when you go and have a conversation with other couples, are you just are you just going, Oh, that's a nice dress? No. All the no, time. No, no, you're not. I hope not. Is that oh. what you do when Naz is around? No, no. Come on. That's not what I meant. Okay, we're done going over to the Monson house, that's for sure. <laughs> that's not what I meant. I never mind. <laughs> what did you mean? I meant that people are engaged. With your wife, you know, because she's an interesting person. Like like Austin was talking about with Whitney. Before Don't think you that's made what you said. Creepy. Don't think that's what you said. What did I say? What did I say? That's what you meant. That's what you meant. What did I say? <laughs> Nothing untoward, generally. But okay, see. The, uh, the track record. This is a cla- no, this is a classic example. Of Jake taking something completely innocent and warping it into. Do we need to replay? You did say you did say that when it? you came to my play, you watched my wife. That was. And you said, "Hey, when you're talking to other people, are they just focused on your wife?" You said that. That's not me twisting anything. You said. You said that. Like no, they're I talking don't. to Jake, but looking at yeah, his wife. Yeah, I don't no, think people no. are ogling my wife when I have conversations <laughs> with them. No. And then when I said that that doesn't happen, you're like, well, he's clueless. He doesn't. I mean, I ogle his wife all the time, so he obviously doesn't know. <laughs> There's a drop. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. You guys. Hey, eyes forward, bub. <laughs> Jake's like, Gordon, my eyes are hey, over here. Hey, up here. <laughs> oh, stop it now. Stop it. I got, uh, no, I don't do that. I would never do that. So I'd hope not. Know. I didn't think you would until this segment. <laughs> Did this change everything? Yes. <laughs> so when Gordon was performing your marriage ceremony. I don't know what he was doing now. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch the tape. <laughs> Your bride did look beautiful on that day. Bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> right. I've told you, I've told you, Jake. You looked, you were a handsome uh, groom that I day. I appreciate too. it, buddy. I appreciate it. you did a good job. I'm making up the jokes. You did say that though, where you said that. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Okay. I don't know All right. What I meant. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. Bowler is going to jump on with us coming up next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. <laughs> This 
is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, that story that Austin just told us, was is that's that's worth a repeat on the air. That's a I good think. story. We're getting bolder, though, Gordo. Okay. Austin's on the uh, phone, so uh, maybe we'll have to do it at another time. Uh, we are going to talk to Bowler here in a second. We've got Jazz pregame t- taking over at 4.30. Tim Lacombe will be here, and we'll get you ready for the Jazz and the Celtics. Uh, Tip-off coming your way a little after 5.30 from Boston. It is a TNT game tonight, so uh, no AT&T Sportsnet coverage. Uh, So no bowler tonight, but he's nice enough to jump on and give us his thoughts uh, before it starts. Because thoughts he has. I'm sure he does. Mm -hmm. And you think this is an important game? I do. It's time for the Jazz to to fix what's ailing them. And uh, I I think it is within their power to do so. I, I don't think it's just other teams that are making them look bad. Maybe a little bit. I, mean, I want to give the opponents some credit, but it's uh, it's really incumbent on the Jazz to get this thing fixed and to play the way they're capable of playing. And if they do that, they'll be fine. But if they don't, they'll they'll continue to, 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 to you know, have a little bit of turbulence. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, television voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only Craig Buller. Jack, what's up, Buller? What's up, guys? Hey, Thanks for having me on, man. Good to talk to you. A little Thank early you. in the day, but, well, early in the evening, I should say. Bowler, I want you to hear a story that Austin told during the break, and I, I, I want you to – can you abide that? Would you mind hearing a quick no. story? <laughs> I, I, no, let's do this another time. Oh, it's no, funny. It's funny. I think it's all I think about Bo- stories. I know Bowler well enough to know that he'll appreciate your story, and it's really not that long, so we'll go ahead and tell it, Austin. Okay, so uh, when I was really young – I went to uh, Boston on a family vacation. We went on the the ship. I don't know if it's the actual ship or whatever, but where they had the and you do the tossing of the tea overboard and the oh, Boston yeah. Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party. Yeah. Well, I couldn't hold it any longer, and so my dad asked the the and there was no bathroom aboard uh, the ship. Oh boy! And uh, so he just uh, found a sample cup of the tea they were passing out, threw that overboard. Help me uh, find, you know, I used that as, and then as we were walking back, uh, the lady said, oh, I was going to offer you a sample, but I see you already have one. And oh, was, boy. Uh-huh. He calls it the Austin Pea Party. So. <laughs> Austin Pea Party. That's uh, clever. More of this at open mic night. Check it out. Uh, I like it. I want to hear a drum after that one, you know. Baller. <laughs> Baller, we were just talking about, uh, I think this is an important game for the Jazz tonight to get things fixed, get back on, off the schneid and on a positive uh, ride here. Uh, what, how important do you think this game is, and how fixable is the problem uh, or problems that the Jazz have suffered? You know, I, I think things are fixable, and but I do agree this one is one of those games that I think uh, impact you mentally after – you know, a couple of three things that have happened. Obviously, the three out of four losses before the All-Star game, uh, the LeBron draft and how that impacted, I think, some psyche. Let's be honest. The passing of a dear friend, by the way, and um, it impacted me, Doug Burrell. 
uh, the Jazz longtime masseuse, was just an incredible individual and a real, almost as you would expect, um, not only was he a masseuse and extended the career of a lot of, of, of great jazz players, including Carl and John, but also the the ability to kind of hound out a little psychological, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, tidbits along the way. You know, it's like a bartender who listens to people, and that's what Doug was. Doug was a friend, and Doug Doug was a, had an impact on this franchise that I don't think a lot of people understand. And to try to play through that and his services uh, last week, I watched virtually, and it was it was emotional. Uh, but I, I think all those things come into play. And some people say, look, you know, play through it. You get paid a lot. But still, there's a human element here, uh, I think, with all the things we're discussing. So that's why I think tonight, obviously, getting back on the floor is important and to reestablish, you know, defense for one, you have to take care of the ball. The live ball turnovers. And, Jake, you and Tim talked about this after uh, uh, the, the, uh, the road game. Uh, just two nights ago, uh, it's it's got to stop. And that's been a big issue for where the Jazz have been of late. And, you know, the defense is what they pride themselves on. And that week before the All-Star break, you've seen a slide of top five into the bottom tier of the NBA. And that isn't, you know, really what, what this team is about. So I think you have to take care of the ball. I know that sounds real simple, but it seems to be an issue of late. Bogey's had problems with a bounce pass hip high. And I think, you know, you just got to find some confidence and really get back into into, into a, a confidence, uh, more confident with your three-point shot as well. They seem to be forcing it. They've been double teamed a lot, a lot of pressure threes from what I've seen. That's so, a long answer. But I think, you know, all of it, all of it has little bits and pieces to, to the answer. So, Bowler, I want to ask you about this, especially as a guy who's seen a lot of teams behind the scenes, you know, familiar with a lot of successful successful teams. It it seems like with this Jazz team that um, the the concept of team, the, the, the selflessness is really important on both sides uh, of the basketball. Defensively, Rudy can't just be a one-man show. Offensively, we've, we've talked about the blender and the ball movement and all those things. When the Jazz are at their best, they're playing kind of everybody as one. And I don't know, maybe you disagree with this, but I think that that has been absent a little bit in the last uh, several games. And is, is it hard for teams to get that back? Uh, that's a good that's a good observation. And, no, I, I, think, I think this team can. Um, you know, I think what you're saying is the team concept maybe has, has fallen off the ledge a bit after the All-Star break. And, two all-stars, well, actually three, and, you know, a head coach who, who handled things uh, in Atlanta. You know, I think this was almost, again, when you break from a hot streak but also break from winning up to a certain point until that final week and then that little controversy that brewed in Philadelphia before heading out to the all-star break, I think, you know, this team has been through their own, quote, hell, uh, as I say, uh, with covid the Gobert-Donovan conversations, uh, whether they could ever ever resurrect the uh, the relationship on and off the floor. And I think, you know, this is just another hurdle that teams go through. And the Jazz are just like any team. Uh, they're going to have ups and downs. And I think all of us, and myself included, we got to winning every night. It was just a walk in the park, dominating, not just winning, but dominating teams. Uh, with defense and the three-point shot. I don't think they've forgotten that. They've gotten away from it. 
And sometimes on the road, I've learned that the, that the Jazz especially kind of figure things out away uh, when they get away. So we'll see. I think this is – but getting back to your original first question, this is, I think, a, a big game tonight to reset the tempo, to reset who they are. Uh, it's a nationally televised game. You know, I like to be along for the call, but that's not going to happen. So uh, you see Washington and Toronto on a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday night and finish up the trip in Chicago. So it can get away from you fast. So that's why I think really, Jake, uh, is that this game is one of those stopgap moments where you can stop some of the some of the doubts and, and get back to what you do and do well. Craig, getting back to the defense again, uh, Jake and I have often talked about how Rudy can't defend everybody at once, you know. And so when Quinn talks about the connectivity on the defensive end, in your opinion, what is it he's talking about and what is it that – how can that be pieced back together? Well, again, that's another good observation because I think the Jazz, uh, they've gotten away thinking that Rudy will guard all five on the floor, and that's not going to happen. It can't happen. You know, for a big, he's got great recovery speed. Um, you know, Jake, I mean, he can go to the front of the free throw line or beyond and still retreat, and we've seen him do it multiple times. But as Quinn always says, you got to help the helper. So you've got to be able to come by and see where Rudy is – has has taken his stand and you've got to be able to fill the gap and help him so that to me is i tell you you gotta you just gotta hustle i mean that's the bottom line you gotta bust tail and that's what you do in this league if you're going to be an elite defensive uh, club and the jazz did that on multiple occasions prior to the all-star break but also you know defense helps motivate your offense uh you know this is always uh, you know ron and and uh, Big T always discuss this and Harpering, too, about what is it, defense or offense? What fuels one another? And in reality, they both have to feed off each other. But that three ball, when it goes down, you know, you, you, start, you start to gain more and more confidence. You get back quicker on defense. What happens, too, when you miss a three, guys? Jake, and you, you and Tim talked about this, too, in the last you know, six or seven postgame shows. Man, when you miss a three and that ball takes a hard kick, and you don't get back. It's uh, teams will run downhill on the Jazz, and Rudy just can't can't do it by himself. So you've got to be able to get back in transition, and that's something else I'll be looking for tonight too. If, if you make three, see, it's easy. It's easy to play deep, but when you miss a three, I think the challenge becomes uh, almost double time. I really do. Bowler is with us here on uh, the Big Show on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, Bowler, what would a win tonight uh, do for uh, for your opinion on the Jazz? I mean, it almost feels like one of those pivotal nights where you're thinking, oh, they're back at it if they win, and, uh, you know, it continues to spin out of control if they lose. Is it as simple as that? Um, it sounds that way, you know, really. I think that all of us in the league always look at win streaks, losing streaks, and you start to – you know, say, oh, man, throw in the towel. This is the, the first half was just a facade. No, this is a good team. And I think, again, though, with a nationally televised, televised audience, it's a time to reestablish yourself, Jake, as a true uh, contender for an NBA championship, a Western Conference title, whatever it may be. Or both. I mean, obviously, if you win it all, you have to you win both. But uh, I, I, I think that even makes it a more important you know, we're always on television and we're always on NBA uh, ticket or, excuse me, uh, league pass. 
and we have viewers in Australia and France, but there's something about, you know, the national networks, you know, the TNTs or the ABCs that seem, seems to give more credence uh, to, to the importance of the game. And so saying that, sure, you're going to have more eyes, uh, East Coast eyes, mostly on this game tonight, and that will help establish or maybe dispel if the Jazz don't win or put doubt in people's minds about just how, how much of a contender they are. So, you know, saying that, Jake, I really believe that this game plays a bigger role tonight just because of the eyes on Donovan, on Rudy, on Quinn, on Joe, on Bogdanovich, uh, and Jordan Clarkson. That that makes this could be a statement game that will reestablish the Jazz in people's minds, especially uh, you know east of the Mississippi, uh, that this club can play high level ball. You mentioned Bogdanovich there, Bowler. What's the matter with Bogey? I wish I knew. Uh, he seems all of a sudden to lose confidence. Uh, he's kind of disappeared in the first half. Uh, he's gotten to the free throw line, but the biggest issue for me is just you know the turnovers. And it seems that when he goes belt high on the dribble or starts to drive into the paint, uh, they pick his pocket. He's been well scouted, by the way, and the ball seems to be exposed uh, when he's trying to rotate and turn into the into the paint. And that's where defenders just kind of just reach out uh, and take the ball away. And, you know, I think Bogey's one of those guys, a rhythm player, where he can get a little down. Uh, on himself when those miscues happen, and they've happened quite a bit of late. So, again, a game where he can, I, I think, just regain his own confidence. I don't know, Gordon, if he's ever really got it all back this year with the wrist, the surgery, you know, the tape, the wrap. Uh, he, you know, he's he's shaken and kind of, you know, blown on his right hand quite a bit. I've never noticed that before in the past. I may be totally wrong, but it still seems like to me in his mind he hasn't been able to totally get past uh, the surgery. Uh, and, again, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Most of us haven't because we just have limited ability to, to have one-on-one conversations uh, with, with the players. So I'd really like to kind of dive into his psyche a little bit. Gordo, this is where Doc, you know, Dr. Monson would come in to play here and, and ask him straight up or, maybe write a column on it, but, you know, he hasn't forgotten how to play the game. Uh, I just think there's, again, mental traps that hit guys once in a while, and I think he's working through it right now. And what's so strange about that, Bowler, is that he's gotten better every year he's been in the league until this yeah. year. So, yeah, it is I weird, know. right? I mean, the three-point shot, you know, he's hitting 40%, and he was down low to start the season. and You could always say it's about the wrist, but, you know, his point production's about 16 and for most players, you think, hey, you know, still, that's productive. But I think there's an expectation with Boyan that, you know, the inside game, uh, you know, he's a, he's a better driver than I expected uh, when he came over to the Jazz. And we know what he can do with three-point shots. He can get on a roll. He did, you know, prior to the, the, the week before the All-Star game. He had a couple, three games that were, uh, were back on target. And we thought, hey, Bogey, yeah, you know, he's got the rhythm back. But – Man, I tell you, Jake and, and Gordo, I think the turnover is something that just and, – and it's not when you do it, it's when you do it. It's not just like, uh, you know, I stepped out of bounds. But it's live ball. It's when you hurt the team and in transition what could have been a two- or three-point uh, possession turns out to be a four- or five-point swing because on that turnover 
teams have taken advantage and, and really hurt the Jazz uh, when they give it away. Bowler is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Bowler, uh, switching gears a little bit, the NCAA tournament has, has become such a, you know, a cultural, uh, you know, mainstay, and it's such a huge, huge deal. And take this uh, question in whatever direction you want to go, but what's it like uh, being a part of that and uh, and calling the action and, and being oh. part of such a such a kind of a incredible Ooh. thing? Well, 13 years of it, I, I, I miss it. I, I, someone asked me the other day, hey, man, where are you going? Uh, well, I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, everyone's going to Indy, right? But, I mean, still, though, it was always just an exciting time to get a phone call and know what, what region you were going to be a part of, and I miss it. It was fantastic. I had some great opportunities to, great, to call some, some incredible games up in Boise. Um, I had uh, just yesterday I saw it was the 20th anniversary of Iowa State uh, beaten by Hampton of 15, taken out of two. Uh, to me, that was one of the most epic moments that I was uh, I, I was a part of in the NCAA tournament. But you know, it's changed so much. To Jake, uh, now you have four networks involved, and at the time, Greg Gumble was the, you know captain of the ship uh, in in the studios in New York at CBS. And then we knew that we had staggered starts, so we would start in one. You know, we maybe I would maybe start the country off on the early game. And then they would peel off, so to speak, and take it to different regions around the country. But you knew you had a game. You had the game when Gumble would say, look, uh, we're going to take you out and join, you know, Craig Bullerjack. And let's say I was with Dan Bonner, you know, or someone. And uh, you knew you had the final three minutes. It was yours because it was the game in the country at the moment. That was always exciting uh, to, to get the entire country to tune in. But now – you know, you can basically turn to the channel that you want to watch what region, what team you follow. And so for me, you know, it kind of takes a little bit of the old school excitement out of it. But at the same time, it pleases the viewer because they can see start to finish uh, the team they want to watch. Not be, uh, I guess, uh, they always said, boy, we're being held captive, you know, because you can't see, you know, a BYU game. Uh, or a Utah game, or whatever it may be, unless it was on on a nationally televised, pre-planned, you know, with Nance and Billy at the time. Um, and you know, I kind of miss those days. It was fun. Uh, there was a lot of excitement, and to do four games in one day. I think Gordo followed me around up at the U one one year, and it's one of the most taxing, you know, preparation that you know preps that you can go through just to try to to get to know four teams. Uh, or eight teams and call those four games in about a 12-hour period. But, uh, man, I loved every minute. Bowler, didn't you say when they move around from game to game, it's walking the dog? Is that what you called it? Yeah, they always said it's time to walk the dog, and that's what they were talking to me <laughs> in my ear. They said they're walking the dog in New York, so be prepared. They're going to come to you. <laughs> so, you know, they always say lay out, lay out, lay out. And you were saying, well, God, I got, I got a game to call. So you would try to time a, a bucket or a play or a comment and then just had that little three or four second breath. And then you would say, you know, we'd like to welcome the viewers who've just joined us uh, from the East region. And here we are in the Midwest. And, you know, that was a challenge. But, boy, the energy was crazy. And the, the fans, I think, knew the players better, Jake and Gordon, back, you know, just a few years ago uh, because, you know, players would stay two to three years and make the jump. You know, I guess now if you stay one, 
you know, you've done your duty and you and you jump to the NBA. But if you stay two to three, you know, you know, four-year players just don't happen often. And if they do, they go overseas, right? Or sometimes they're late, late second round or two-way players. Um, so, you know, Wes Matthews is a great example. You know, he was a four-year player at Marquette, and the Jazz gave him a shot. And look what he has done in the NBA. Take away that Achilles tear. The guy's a terrific ball player. And he's found a way to survive double-digit seasons now in the NBA. But that's what I miss, too, is that the fans, I thought, followed the teams and the player and had a little bit more, I think, um, uh, they were more involved with the personality of the, of the young man who was turning into a junior with aspirations of jumping to the NBA. Now the, the star players pretty much, they come and go. Um, and you blink an eye, you miss them. And I don't know if fans are that uh, you know, they still love their team, but I'm not sure if they know the player or the personality of those guys as much as they used to. And Bowler, well, uh, let me go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Well, I was going to give you a, a kind of my hot take on this as long as you bring that up. It's, it's a reason <laughs> I think that they need to get rid of the one and done because it will actually make college basketball better. Because then those players that don't want to be there just go off and do their thing. And, and with college basketball, it's more about the university than it is the actual player. You know, uh, LeBron didn't go to college, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, all these things. And and maybe would they have brought somebody to the college game? Well, they were great basketball players. But did college really miss them? Not really, right? I mean, because we're still rooting for BYU or Utah or or Utah State or whatever. Jake, that Ben Simmons thing really underscored that uh, problem, didn't it? Yeah. He wasn't there to have anything to do with the school. Just let him go. I mean, and, and college basketball, then you'll, we'll get what you're talking about, Bowler, where guys that want to be there, they're going to stay two, three, four years, and we can maybe get to know these players again. Well, the other side of that argument is, are they better basketball players and prepared to play at the NBA level too, Jake? I mean, I've talked to general managers who really are taking guys they don't know much about and the top 10 or top 12 and the first two, maybe you can say, yeah, they're good and they can play. They're ready to play. But a lot of these guys – fuel the G, the G League, uh, and a lot of guys are busts because you haven't seen them enough to really know the game, the personality, the work ethic that goes with it. Uh, and I think a lot of those things come into play. Look, the other argument is it's a free country. You know, you can do whatever you want. And But colleges do take a, a roll of the dice on these guys and use them as, you know, other recruiting tools like a Duke, like a North Carolina, like a Kansas like a Syracuse, I mean, these coaches know how to get the player there, and they know when they recruit them, they're in and out. But it helps them to, to continue the machine that they are. It's good to see Gonzaga, right, to be uh, a team uh, from the West Coast Conference and actually being the top team in the uh, in college basketball going into this thing. Uh, because, again, it, it kind of tells you that you can still do it as a team and maybe the, the, the young college superstar – doesn't dictate it all all the time at Carolina or, or uh, you know Louisville where Donovan played. But yeah, I think there's some things that need to, to to be discussed. I think fans need to be here, you know, to, to be heard and to see what they like uh, and what they're doing. You know, the transfer portal is it's a hot place now. Utah has a couple of kids that are going to jump, and so you know, I'm not sure college basketball is all is all that well on on solid ground right now. But I think it's time to talk and kind of maybe rethink what direction they're going. That's just me. Oler, one last thing I wanted to run by you. I want to get your one or two sentence reaction 
when you found out that the Chiefs were cutting loose their two tackles, including Eric Fisher, uh, because of money considerations? Well, you know, I I knew it was going to probably come because of the incredible salary, but they did try to restructure Mahomes' deal, right, to open up, I think it was $19 million in cap space. But look, no quarterback is worth anything, Gordo, as you know, and Jake, unless you have an O-line to protect them. Because Mahomes, as much as he has the escapability that we've seen him do and, and the slingshot arm, Look, he's gotten nicked up a couple of times last year. He had the off-season toe surgery. You know, they expect him back in, in fall camp and, and all the above. But if you don't have an O-line to protect the investment, what good is the investment? Bowler, always a pleasure. Thank you uh, for jumping on with us as always. And, hey, we'll miss you on the call tonight. Hey, I appreciate it. Gordo, you didn't have a response, pal. I thought no, sure no. You were. No, I just was enthralled to hear what you had to say about that because I know you care deeply about that team. And it just seemed like we saw in the Super Bowl how ineffective they were without those two. And they're both really, really good. They weren't let go because they they weren't performing. They were let go because of pure money. And that's... Look, here's the deal. The big show, Jake on one side, Gordon on the other. If you, <laughs> if you, if you blow one of the tackles, man, Jake, it ain't working. Nope. A little because important. It's the yep. big show. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah. well it, sorry, Bowler. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'll be watching the game with you at five thirty. So let's uh, let's see what happens. Hey. I think you're right, Jake. I think it's big. It's it's one of those games you have to kind of you do not kind of you have to reestablish uh, the the strength of who you are. And there is a mystique about the Utah Jazz around the country being the team. Uh, you got three all-stars but still they're doing it by not just three guys they're they're winning ball games and playing hard with nine and ten so i think that's uh, tonight's the night it's, it it, let's hope it is yep here here all right thanks bowler we appreciate you talk soon there you go the great craig bowler jack with us on the big show joins us each and every tuesday usually he's at five uh but obviously with the early game time bowler jumped on with us at four o'clock today and always fired up when he has a chance to. Gordon, uh, we've got Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up right, uh, right around the corner. You enjoy your uh, your cheese coma, and uh, I'll uh, I'll catch you tomorrow. I'll be hanging on every word, Jake. You're, you and Tim. I'll be I'll be listening. Wait, wasn't cheese? What did I say before? Cheese nap? Cheese coma? What was it? I forget what you said. I'm trying <laughs> not to pay much attention to that. Well, take it easy, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. See All right, there you go. Coming up next, we're getting you ready for the Jazz and the Celtics straight ahead right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be saying goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing is over! That'll do, Peggy. That'll do.